brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you. Reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. The Pharisees approached Jesus and asked, Is it lawful for a husband to divorce his wife? They were testing him. He said to them in reply, What did Moses command you? They replied, Moses permitted a husband to write a bill of divorce and dismiss her. But Jesus told them, Because of the hardness of your hearts, he wrote you this commandment. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, no human being must separate. In the house, the disciples again questioned Jesus about this. He said to them, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. And people were bringing children to him that he might touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he became indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not prevent them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Amen, I say to you, whoever does not accept the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it. Then he embraced them and blessed them, placing his hands on them. The Gospel of the Lord. A few years ago, a friend of mine who was a police officer shared a story along with some of his own editorial comments that I can't repeat that expresses justifiable anger over this incident. There was this guy who had been arrested for drunk driving three different times. The first time he was found passed out in his car in the school parking lot. The second time he was involved in a hit and run accident. And this third time that he was arrested, he happened to have his five-year-old son in his car while driving a snowplow which he ended up crashing into some woman's home. Now, in Massachusetts, where this all took place, they have a a three strikes and you're out rule that says that you lose your driver's license after a third arrest. But a judge ruled that even though the defendant refused to take his breathalyzer test, which is one way that you admit your guilt, and even confessed that he was drunk, as if a snowplow coming into someone's house isn't evidence enough, Because this didn't take place on a public street, the judge agreed with his lawyer that technically he couldn't be convicted for drunk driving. And so he got his driver's license back. Now you can understand why my friend who's a cop and has to deal with the effects of drunk driving as much as he does, was a little bit upset by this. We hear a, a story like that and it's infuriating. Because rational and sane individuals can see that the man has proven that he's ill-equipped 
to responsibly utilize the privilege of driving. Why would the courts legally give him another chance to prove that? Because they simply determined this woman's private property was in a public street seems insane to us. These kinds of stories rightly shock and upset people because we know that the reason that a lawmaker came up with this three strikes and you're out rule is in the interest of public safety and assumed that if you got arrested for drunk driving one time, that's bad enough and that should be a wake-up call. You found guilty twice, all right, you gotta be kidding, but three times, obviously you're, you're immature and you're dangerous to everyone else on the street. But sadly, we know that There are lots of examples from all corners of humanity that seem to constantly be looking for a loophole to escape responsibility for for selfish or self-centered behavior. And so in this case, because the the court looked at very precise language rather than a relationship of this individual to the rest of society because of a a silly loophole, this thrice-arrested drunk driver is allowed the privilege to drive again. Today's gospel, for a lot of reasons, makes people uncomfortable. With statistics saying that somewhere in the 40% range of marriages end in divorce, when we hear that question posed in the gospel, is it lawful for a husband to divorce his wife? And then Jesus' emphatic answer saying that what God has joined, no human being must separate, it seems a, a pretty abrupt end to the discussion. So is Jesus saying then that in cases where there's domestic violence or verbal or mental abuse that people simply have to tough it out? Is he really saying that a bond must remain intact when someone's an incurable addict or an unrepentant philanderer? This is another example where the context of the gospel is so important because Jesus is really addressing this ridiculous loophole that people had created for themselves that had made a mockery of the institution of marriage. In Jesus' time, the ability for a husband to divorce his wife had gotten so simple, at least for the men, to the point that if a husband found an indecency, he could sever the bond. But by indecency, that could be anything from a bad male or a raised voice or meeting someone that he felt was more attractive than his current wife. On the flip side, a a woman was often treated like property of the husband and had a much more difficult time of getting a divorce, even with legitimate cause. So in responding to the, the Pharisees' question, Jesus is speaking to all these loopholes that the Pharisees had created for themselves that permitted, if not even encouraged, selfish behavior on their part and completely undermined the institution of marriage and destroyed what God's intentions were for marriage. So Jesus coming out against divorce was intended to prohibit self-centeredness and to come back to the origin of what this beautiful institution was made for. That when a husband and wife lay down their lives for each other and serve each other, and make it their, their life's goal for the rest of their earthly lives to try to help one another to get into heaven. When people enter into that type of relationship, the thought of, of looking for an escape hatch or a loophole just doesn't even exist. It's true that there's times when a divorce is a sad reality that takes place and it could be for 
a, a number of understandable reasons. But what Jesus continues to challenge all of us, married and unmarried, is to see that where are we being self-centered? Where are we being self-focused? Where are we being unloving? How are we not reflecting Jesus' giving his life for us, for the church, which is the image of Jesus being the bridegroom and the church being the bride? May you and I not be confused or misled by the loopholes and the faulty logic and the ridiculous technicalities that so often govern, so often excuse behavior that we know is wrong in the world around us to mislead us in our relationship with Jesus. He expects better of us, and he knows we're better than that because he's come to bring us into this ultimate union with God the Father. He's come to fulfill the Father's plan for us and for all creation and has gifted us with the Holy Spirit to know and to discern and to follow that plan. The question is, will we remain attentive? Will we remain steadfast and courageous to be led by him? Or will we wonder, is there some sort of loophole that we can use to get out of the challenge? 